Welcome to Orchard UMC's podcast. At Orchard, we endeavor to live into our mission of transforming the world by growing in faith, serving others, and sharing Jesus. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Isaiah, beginning with chapter 43, verse 1. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt at their, as your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you. Because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you, I give people in return for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. The word of God for the people of God. As you may know, we are in the midst of our um, sermon series on getting your house in order. And we have talked about, we began with getting your spiritual house in order, and we did your relational uh, house. Uh, Last week, Nick spoke about financial house. Uh, Today, we are talking about your mental or emotional house in order. Um, and this is, a, this is one of those things that's very personal uh, to me, and I wanted to just start out by saying that. Um, as one who has struggled with depression at different times in my life, um, I want to just name that to begin with. Um, the reason I chose that scripture, however, is because it's something that um, I really experienced in the context of depression. A God who is with us through those times, who carries us, who helps us, and who provides for us in that time. Um, I just want to share a few statistics with you. Um, Nearly 18.8 million people suffer from major depression. 9% of adults are depressed, 3.4% of whom suffer from major depression. More than 2 million of the 34 million Americans aged 65 and older suffer from some form of depression. And depression affects about 20% of adolescents by the time they are adults, with teen suicide being the third leading cause of death in kids aged 10 to 24. While the majority of individuals with depression have a full remission of the disorder with effective treatment, only about a third, 35.3%, of those suffering from severe depression seek treatment from a mental health professional. Too many people resist treatment because they believe depression isn't serious, that they can treat it themselves, or that it's a personal weakness rather than a serious medical illness. Um, Those statistics come both from WebMD and the Mental Health of America website. Um, One of the things that I learned in seminary when I was taking pastoral care classes was that my degree was still going to be a Master of Divinity. And so... um, While I did take pastoral care classes, if you come to see me for pastoral counseling, I will meet with you a couple times, um, but then I will suggest that you see a counselor because I am not a licensed counselor. I'm a pastor, and, um, and I want people to get the help that they need. And so with that knowledge, 
Hi, and having resources in our congregation, I thought today uh, I would invite Dr. Mary Clark to come up and uh, have a conversation with me. You can pretend we're doing a talk show instead of a sermon if you want. <laughs> um, but I think at times like this, it's always good to call on the experts. And so I know that not everyone knows Mary um, and um, her experience and all of that, but um, I thought maybe we'd start by just why in the world are you a therapist? <laughs> well, it goes back a while. Am I on? Yeah. Okay. It uh, takes us back a while to <clears throat> when I was in college and uh, being as I was raised in the 50s and 60s, you know, when dinosaurs were still on the earth, um, you know, uh, girls had basically uh, four choices about what they were going to be, nurses, teachers, secretaries, or waitresses. And so I opted for the teaching and went to college as an English major. But I also started taking courses in psychology, and I ended up with a double major. thought, how about that? Then when I was a camp counselor a number of times, uh, I found kids would just kind of gravitate around me and we'd end up sitting together and talking about their problems. And I went home and I said, all right, God, is this what you want me to do? Um, I needed a master's uh, at that point, And um, at that time, uh, my mother had had a, a complete breakdown and it was her income that was paying for my college. I had gone to Wayne State. <clears throat> but God very miraculously gave me a full grant to do my master's. And it really was a miracle, and that's a whole other story. Around that time also, I started attending the Christian Association for Psychological Studies. And we call it CAPS for short. <laughs> and that's where I met other women who had PhDs who were psychologists. And it was the first time I ever met women in this field. And I just, again, felt the urge from God that this is what God wants me to do. So I completed uh, my doctorate. But during that time, I was a school counselor for six years. But during that time, I was pink slipped four times and laid off twice. Mm. So kind of the message is it's not my future. Okay. Uh, but then through a meeting of a local CAPS group, uh, which was actually another miracle, um, I was offered to start in a private practice uh, with a doctor. So that's how I got started. Well, that's great. Right. So um, our sermon series this fall is Getting Your House in Order. What are, would you say are some signs that um, one's mental or emotional house is not in order? <clears throat> I think to be able to look at ourselves and say, you know, I'm unhappy, Daily life is a struggle. I'm engaging in a lot of what I call escape behaviors. And that means I'm, I'm doing things out of the motivation and purpose to get away from myself, split my feelings, split my thoughts. And that can be like too much working, uh, drugs, alcohol, sex, activity, food, exercise when that's the motivation, too much sleeping, computer games, Tendency to withdraw, to lack interest in life anymore. Those are signs. And then when that gets to a point, uh, people usually come in when I, I say when they hit the enoughs. Okay. That is, they're hurt enough 
they're angry enough, they're scared enough, or they're tired enough. And that's when they get on the phone. So yeah, so what do you do then if that's the case? If that's the case that you've reached that enough point, mm -hmm. what should you do? Most of my referrals come from, about 70% of them come from uh, former patients of mine. Okay. Others come from physicians, uh, attorneys, other counselors, the internet. Right. So you can get, so you don't have to necessarily see a medical doctor to get a referral no, or something like that. not necessarily. But we do encourage every time uh, we, I, I see a new, new patient that they get a good physical. Okay. Because doing therapy with a low active thyroid is kind of a stupid thing to do. So, <laughs> uh, so we want to make sure that there's no biological or metabolic uh, thing going on that might be causing these similar kind of symptoms. So if that's ruled out, then we get to work. Okay. Um, so one of the things that I've um, seen a lot in my, my own work and in life um, is that um, there seems to be a lot of shame around getting help, around, seek, you know, around seeking treatment. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that you see that, and I wonder, you know, what are your thoughts on how we can change that so that mm -hmm. it's not embarrassing, it's not something that we have to hide or... Um, that it's not a sign of weakness or right. something. Well, like telling your story this morning uh, helps to get it out there and, and normalize mm -hmm. it. And I know this person, I know that person, and they share stories. There's been more in the media about, about depression and so forth. Um, it's, it takes courage to get help. And that's with anything, physical problems, you know, mental health problems, whatever, to say, this is happening. You have to tell the truth to yourself. This is happening. And I can't do this myself. I have to get help. And that takes courage, and that takes bravery. It mm -hmm. takes guts. Um, I had a patient who said he'd rather go to the dentist than come to therapy. So <laughs> I, always felt, I always felt like uh, when, when I've been in therapy, and I always kind of dread going. <laughs> but then when it was <clears> over, <throat> I was so glad that I, I was just like, oh. Okay, right. And that was, but I would mm -hmm. somehow I would want to come up with excuses yeah. for not going. Yeah. But um, yeah. Um, so why is therapy important? Why can't I just um, talk to my friends or pray about it or, mm -hmm. you know, just cheer up? Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, uh, Tom and I have, have been in churches in the past where uh, it's it's been said even from the pulpit, you know that. Christians shouldn't go to psychologists. They just need to pray and read the Bible and, you know, God will heal them. Um, <clears throat> we're not in that church anymore for very good reasons. But anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, can we put the picture of the train up? Okay. This little train reminds me, Amy, of people, okay, and, and how we work as people. The engine is the mind. That's our thoughts. And as with any train with an engine, the engine decides where the train goes. Okay? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot in Scripture about thoughts. You know, that the Holy Spirit is a spirit of uh, strength and a sound mind. Okay? And the transforming of our mind and so forth and putting our mind on God. And, and so the mind decides where we go. It, it directs the train. From the thoughts is a little coal car, 
And that reminds me of emotions, kind of the heat, the fury of, of what happens when we have certain thoughts is, is that it creates emotions. Every thought creates an emotion. And like with the little kids this morning, when she read different <laughs> things, it created different emotions, yeah, yeah. except for one, of course. But <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and every time we experience an emotion, we get a body reaction. And that's the passenger car. That's like our body. Um, so if you get suddenly afraid, your adrenaline is going to kick off. All right? And when you're happy, you're going to get endorphins. So we always have body reactions to every emotion. And the caboose would be our behavior. And that just goes where the rest of the train goes. <laughs> now, when people come in, oftentimes what's in their minds is unhealthy. And, and much of what we have in our minds sometimes has been taught to us in our early years. You know, we're worthless or whatever it might be that, that we were taught. And, and that puts that person, that engine, on an unhealthy trajectory. Now, you can pray all you want, and you can read scripture all you want, and, and whatever, but you have to work with somebody who can start to figure out, to help figure out, how did this train get here? What's happening on this train that's putting it on this unhealthy track? And then we have to work on what can we do to reframe that thinking? How do we get other thoughts? Uh, like Romans 12, 2, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, So, so we have to work on you know, re finding those old tapes, depowering them, writing new tapes, so that that train can get onto a healthy track. That's what uh, psychotherapy does. Oh. Now, let's talk about medication for just a moment. Okay. okay. Sometimes that train is running so fast or it's so out of control that the ability to sit and do this is, is not always possible. That's when medication is very useful, is when the symptoms are just kind of uh, you know, overwhelming. <clears throat> symptoms will help slow that train down or it'll help uh, soften up some of the symptoms that the person's having because of where the train is at. But medication will not get the train off the track. Okay. So that's, what, that's why psychotherapy is very important and very needed. Um, they other, go, go yeah, together. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I talked a little bit about my experience with depression when I was in high school and um, that was a you know, it was a pretty desperate time in my life. Um, uh, but I did, I saw a therapist, I um, was on medication, and um, and it's, for me, it's really that time when I came to, to know God at a deeper level. Um, my, my mom would uh, stay up with me at night and, and she would do, I think I've shared about this before, but she would do this kind of visualization with me um, and I would imagine that I was with Jesus and I was giving him all my anxiety and my confusion and, and everything. And, um, and that was a powerful part of that as well. Um, but I wonder what role can faith then play in a treatment plan? Or can it play a, a, a role? Uh, absolutely. And if a, a patient comes in and they're a, a faith person and they say they want to incorporate their faith in the treatment, we can do that because we're faith people too. Mm -hmm. If they don't want it, we can't. That's state right, law. Sure. Um, but it's, it's always amazing to me how when we can incorporate faith that um, 
that God becomes like a therapy partner, if you want to think of it that way. Uh, I get them one hour a week. You know, God gets them 24-7. Um, so when we have things like, like prayer and, and scripture and sermons and books and music and, and Christian friends and, and all of these other things, uh, that, that's a, a wonderful adjunct to the whole process. Um, like one time I shared a, a verse with, with a patient that kind of applied to what we were talking about. And, and she just sat back and she goes, my priest just read that on Sunday. <laughs> so it gives them the sense that, that God is present in this and, and that God's you know, working along with everything else that we're doing. Yeah. So um, how have you seen God in your work, in your life as a therapist? Or ha- I, knowing <laughs> you, I'm sure that you have, but how? <laughs> well, you know, when, uh, when you ask a question like that, I just think back like, you know, I've been doing this for over 30 years, and I think back like, I wish I had written down all these wonderful little miracles, like quoting that verse, because mm-hmm. I'd have a book about this thick. I mean, that's, that's how often it happens, and that's how wonderful it is, and I'm losing my little microphone here. Um, but let, let me just give you one story, and I think that will kind of encapsulate mm-hmm. uh, how, how the Holy Spirit, uh, God through the Holy Spirit, can, can really infuse you know, what, ha- what happens. And um, So uh, there was a woman I was working with, and this is not... I think it's... Your this is not going to... This is not... Can I just hold yeah, it? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, I've been working with her for a while, and... and um, when people first come in, I picture them kind of holding a box, and in that box there's pieces, the pieces of their life, puzzle, look like puzzle pieces. Mm-hmm. Usually they're here because they can't figure out some of those pieces, they don't know how they go together, you know, life isn't happening, you know, very well for them, and so forth, and, and this gal had a fairly good-sized box, and we had been working on some of the pieces, and at some point I said to her, I said, you know, I kind of get a picture of where you're at. So I kind of picture um, a, a little seedling, a little flower that's like trying to grow. It's just struggling and trying their best to grow. But, but life clamps them over here and somebody else steps on them over here and, and somebody else, you know, creates damage over there. And, and this little flower is just having the toughest time, you know, trying to grow. So, but you know, as, as we work and, and as, as uh, you get stronger and, and we're able to take some of these blockages off and we're trying, we can depower some of these other things and we, God can help heal some of this damage. I so say, I really picture you this, as being this little flower and that once that opens up, that, that you're going to grow and, and, and you're going to blossom and, and you're going to become this beautiful flower and and, and I think it's going to be a purple flower. I think that's what God wants you to be. And, and she goes like, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Whatever. Yeah, okay. Whatever. <laughs> well, the next week she came back and she said, guess what, Dr. Mary, there's something I want to show you. I said, what? Took out her phone and showed me a picture. She said, look what was growing next to my front door this week. And it was a picture of a purple flower. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's what yeah. happens. That's, that's wonderful. Well, I want to thank you um, for being with us this morning and for sharing and helping. And, um, and just, you know, there's this, um, 
the story that I think every pastor has told at some point, and you've probably heard several times, of about there was a flood, and it was an awful storm, and this guy uh, was listening to the radio, and the radio warned people to get out of town. This is, this is bad news. Go, get, get help. And the guy says, no, you know what? I know that God is going to save me. I don't need to go anywhere. And so he stays and, and waits for God to save him. And then um, the water starts to get higher, and some people come in a boat. And they say, sir, get in the boat. We will take you. We'll, we'll take you to safety. Come. And he says, no, that's okay. God is going to save me. I don't, I don't need to go anywhere. God is going to come and save me. And, and finally, they get, the water gets so high, it's, over, it's at his roof. And so he's up on top of the roof, and a helicopter comes, and they call down, sir, grab the rope. We will take you. We'll help you. We'll bring you to safety. And the guy says, no, that's okay. God is going to save me. And the man uh, drowns in the flood. And he gets to heaven, and he says to God, I don't understand. Why didn't you save me? And God says, I sent a radio, a boat, and a helicopter. How come you didn't take any advantage of all those things? <laughs> and I think that that's how God works, right? God um, gives us therapy and medication and support systems. We just have to recognize and use them. Um, when we were on confirmation retreat last week, we were talking a lot about you know, how God works and things. And one of the things we mentioned was miracles, right? And, and in the Bible times, it's so clear and evident when there is a miracle, but we feel like um, now we don't always see, you know, why isn't God working miracles? Well, in our day and age, I believe God still does work in miracles, but God uses therapists and doctors and medication and purple flowers <laughs> to work the miracles. Um, there's this picture, I think it was on Pastor B's Facebook page that Mary found, um, and this is so much like what we, I think, experience with uh, depression and when we're struggling with mental health is that it feels like this storm could just overwhelm us, and yet here is this lighthouse in the midst of all of that. God is there standing tall, a source of strength, providing for us through all of these means where we can get help, where we can get health and experience grace and joy. So I want to thank you, Mary, for being with us today. Um, yeah. And I just want to remind you that if you are um, struggling or um, have feeling uh, depressed, um, I'd be glad to talk with you. Um, I can uh, make some suggestions and referrals. Um, and I know Dr. Mary, Dr. Clark, and and others are also um, able to help with that. But just remember, you're not alone, um, that God is with you, and we are all in this together. So with that, I say amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you have been enriched by the word proclaimed. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line at ministry at orchardumc.org. You can find out more about Orchard by going to our website at www.orchardumc.org.